Hello and welcome to The Adventures of Paul Temple from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We present Peter Cook and Marjorie Westbury in Paul Temple and the Margot Mystery. Episode 7, A Time to Worry. What phone call? Who did Mrs. Temple ring up? I don't know, sir. But about two minutes later, Mrs. Temple popped into the kitchen and said she was going out. But didn't she say anything else? Oh, yes, sir. She said... I'm going out, Charlie. But if Mr. Temple gets home before I get back, just say... Just say what? Edgar Northampton. Edgar Northampton? Yes. I don't know what she meant, Mr. Temple. I'd never heard of anyone called Northampton. He's a bank manager. I've been rather puzzled as to how he fitted into the picture. Uh, what picture, Mr. Temple? Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry, Charlie. I was talking to myself. Now, look, I tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go down to... Oh, here's Mr. Temple now, sir. Steve! Hello, Paul. What's all this about? Where have you been? Well, you remember what Mrs. Fletcher said to Mike Langdon? If Dr. Benkari gets difficult, just say two words to her. Edgar Northampton. Yes. Well, I've discovered what she meant. What did she mean? Shall I start at the beginning? I don't care where you start, providing you tell me what all this is about. <laughs> well, just over an hour ago, I was in the study when the front doorbell rang. Mm. I don't think Charlie could have heard it because the bell continued to ring for some considerable time. Oh, Mrs. Temple. Yes? Um, I'd like a word with your husband, Mrs. Temple. Do you think I could possibly... Oh, I beg your pardon, I don't think we've met. No, I don't think we have. My name's Fletcher. I, I, I met your husband down at Westerton. Oh, of course. Come in, Mrs. Fletcher. Thank you. This way. I'm very sorry, but my husband isn't in just at the moment. Yeah, oh, I thought this might happen. Well, I'm expecting him back if you'd care to wait. Oh, I should have phoned, of course, and made an appointment. Well, you can leave a message, Mrs. Fletcher. Well, I... I wanted to see your husband personally, you see. Yeah. Couldn't you tell me? Um, well, Mrs. Temple, your husband called at the garage. He questioned my son, Bill. Yes, I know. Well, Bill's a good boy. He's nothing to do with this business, nothing at all. 
Which business are you referring to? I'm talking about the murder. About Julia Kelburn. Bill doesn't know anything about it, nothing at all. Do you know anything about it? That's not the point. It's my boy I'm concerned with. He's the one I'm worried about. Now, you tell Mr. Temple to leave him alone. There's no reason for him to question Bill. Well, my husband has to question a lot of people who are not directly involved. He only wanted to know what Bill knew about Dr. Benkari and uh, your relationship with the doctor. But that's no concern of your husband's. Look, Mrs. Fletcher, I don't know why you should feel particularly unfriendly towards my husband. He would like to help you. Oh. Well, why should he want to help me? Well, wasn't it you who warned us about the parcel from the dress shop? Oh, yes, it was. But... <sighs> Well, look, Mrs. Temple, I'd better go now. I'm sorry if I've been rude. That's all right. I'm flying to Australia in two or three days' time, so I don't expect I shall see you again. Is your son going with you? No. I'm leaving him behind. I think he'll stand a better chance on his own. I see. But in case Dr. Benkari and her crowd ever try to drag my son into anything, I want Mr. Temple to know that Bill isn't that sort. What exactly are you suggesting that they might drag him into, Mrs. Fletcher? It would be as well for my husband to know if you want him to keep a friendly eye on your son. They're mixed up in all sorts of things, Mrs. Temple. What kind of things? Stolen property, drugs. I see. All, all I ever did was to pass on messages or deliver packages that looked innocent enough. I was a fool. I ought to have realized they couldn't have paid that sort of money simply for running errands. I should have packed it in months ago. Have you ever met the person behind all this? The person they called Margot. The person who controls the outfit is the fence. The name Margot is just for identification purposes. What do you mean? Well, I'm sorry, I can't give you any more information. Look, tell me one thing. Do these people, the people you've been working for, do they know that you're going away? No, I don't think so. Well, supposing they find out and bring pressure to bear on your son? They won't do that. If they try to get Bill involved, I should go straight to the police. I've told them that. Yes, but they could get rid of you. I've taken every precaution, don't you worry. What do you mean by every precaution? Well, I've got certain documents and tape recordings in a very safe place. If anything should happen to me, they'll pass them to the right hand. Well, if anyone should ever contact Bill after you've gone, I hope you'll tell him to get in touch with my husband right away. Bill knows just what to do. Yes, well, I'm sorry, but I think you're making a mistake by running away, Mrs. Fletcher. And she went without saying anything else? Yes, but after she'd left, I remembered what you told me about Edgar Northampton, and it suddenly dawned on me that the documents she referred to were probably in a deep box at his bank. So I telephoned Reggie Whiteside. Our bank manager? Yes. I asked if he could see me, and he said he could, so I went round... And I asked him if he could find out whether a Mrs. Fletcher had deposited a deed box at their branch in Tenterhurst. Go on. Well, he telephoned Mr. Northampton and said an inquiry had come through about the garage in Westerton and he wondered if the bank held the deeds. Northampton said that Mrs. Fletcher had certainly left a deed box with them some little time ago. I see. And you think that the deed box contains a great deal more than just the deeds of the garage? Well, don't you agree? Yes, I do. But in future, young woman, please let me do the investigating round here. <laughs> well, thank you for young, anyway. How did you get on? Did you see Mitch Harris? Yes, I did, and I want you to do something for me. Mm-hmm. Um, where are the postcards? On the left of the writing paper. Hmm? Oh, yes. Steve, 
You were always pretty good at drawing. I want you to sketch a girl's head on the back of this postcard. Hmm? Here, I use my pen. A girl's mm. head? Just a rough drawing showing a girl's head under a dryer at the hairdresser's. <laughs> you don't want much. Well, it doesn't matter how rough it is. Oh, well. Head's under... Hmm. Right, eyes, nose, mouth. That's easy. Uh, how'd you do a dryer? Charlie, just a moment. How's it going? It's almost finished. Yeah. Will that do? Oh, yes, that's very good, Steve. Yes, isn't it? <laughs> now, right underneath, so much for your friends. Mm. Still mm. sweating my guts out. Oh. And sign it, Sal. That's a bit crude, isn't it? Well, Midge isn't exactly a sophisticated type. Quarter? Yes, wait a minute, Charlie. I want you to post something for me. I'll take it, Paul. Oh. Hello? Mrs. Temple? Speaking. Oh, this is George Gilman speaking, Mrs. Temple. I wonder, could I possibly have a word with your husband? Yes. Uh, just hold on a minute, will you? Thanks. It's Kelvin, Paul. Right. Uh, Charlie, go down to Camden Town. Camden Town? Yes, Camden Town, and post this in the first letterbox you see. Okay, Mr. Temple. Kelvin? Yes, and he sounds particularly cheerful. Mm. Uh, hello, Temple speaking. Oh, Temple, I'm sorry to disturb you, but... I wonder if you and Mrs. Temple would care to drop in for a drink this evening. Well, I... It's very short notice, I know, but I'd particularly like to have a chat with you. Well, yes, that'd be very nice, Kelvin. Uh, about what time? Seven o'clock. Splendid. I look forward to seeing you both, then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well. What is it, Paul? Kelvin's asked us round for a drink this evening. He sounded different, didn't he? Much more affable. Yes, why? Why, I wonder... Kelburn, I'm expecting you. May I take your coat, madam? Thank you. Oh, that's all right, Mary. I look after Mr. and Mrs. Temple. Oh, thank you, sir. Hi there. Hello. Glad you could both make it. I thought you'd be on your way back to New York by now. No, no, not yet, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Any moment now with a bit of luck. Oh, there's been a change in the situation. Yeah, there certainly has. What's happened exactly? Well, Kelburn's had a change of heart. He's decided he's still very much in love with his wife, and he's made it up with her. Oh, when did this happen? Within the last 24 hours. Really? Yeah, right now. You wouldn't think they'd ever seriously consider parting for a weekend, let alone for good. Hello, Steve. Hello, Linda. Lovely to see you, my dear. Hello, Mr. Temple. Hello. Sweet of you to come. Uh, is George in the drawing room, Mike? Yeah, I think so, uh, Linda. Come along, then. Let's go in. George, our guests have arrived. Ah, uh, good evening, Mrs. Temple. How oh, very nice to see you. Good Temple, evening. my dear fellow, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm so glad you could make it at such short notice. Michael, you see to the drinks. All righty. What can I get you, Mrs. Temple? May I have a dry martini, please? Sure thing. Linda? Mm, gin and tonic, please. And Temple, what would you like? Uh, whiskey and soda? Of course. Scotch and soda, Mike, and I'll have the same. Okay. <laughs> Temple, I owe you an apology. An apology? Yes, I'm afraid I waste a lot of your valuable time, you know, getting you involved in family affairs which didn't concern you. Well, naturally, I shall see that you're not the loser financially, but that's not the point. What is the point, Calvin? 
Linda and I have decided to forget the past to make a fresh start. Oh, I'm delighted to hear it. I ought never to have doubted her in the first place, I know that, but... Darling, we understand. Yes, I know you do, dear, but I wanted Mr. and Mrs. Temple to realize that I... Well, I'm sorry I ever doubted you, Linda. It's very sweet of you, darling. Now, you say to a little peace, we'll all drink to it. Well, Linda, George, here's to both of you. I can't tell you how glad I am that everything's straightened out. <laughs> You're just a line shooter, Mike. You just want to get back to little old New York. That's all you want. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever gave you that idea? But why don't you come along with us, Mike? Huh? Oh, I thought you said this was going to be a second honeymoon, darling. I'm only joking, Linda. Are you going away, Mr. Kelvin? Yes, we're going on a cruise. We fixed it up last night. We sailed from Southampton at the end of the month. What's the ship? Uh, it's an American ship, the Wisconsin. It goes down to Jamaica. We'll be away about uh, six months. Oh, how wonderful. I've always wanted to go to Jamaica. Does Sir Graham know about this trip? No, I haven't told him. We only knew ourselves last night. I think I'd have a word with him, Calvin. Why? They may want to get in touch with you. The file on your daughter's case is by no means closed. But that's the whole point of taking this cruise. George wants to forget about the whole thing. He wants to get away from Sir Graham Forbes and Superintendent Rain and the rest of Scotland Yard. Yes, I know, Mrs. Calvin. Unfortunately, that isn't quite as easy as it sounds. Uh, well, uh, uh, well, how's the how's the dry martini, Mrs. Temple? It's excellent. <laughs> oh, <laughs> excellent! <laughs> Will you drive, Steve? Yes, all right, dear. Go through the park, will you? I want to stop in Wimpole Street. Why Wimpole Street? I'm calling on Dr. Benkari. She's probably in Westerton. Well, if she is, we'll get out to Westerton. What, tonight? Mm-hmm. But don't worry. It's my bet she'll be right here in town. Why do you want to see Dr. Benkari? I'll tell you later. All right. You can pull out now. You're very quiet. I find this sudden departure of everybody a little worrying, Steve. The Kelbins going to Jamaica, Langdon returning to New York, and Mrs. Fletcher off to Australia. Well? Well, I don't like it. I hope the fence isn't going to slip through our fingers, Steve. Ah, here we are. I shan't be five minutes, Steve. If Ben Carney's out, I'll come straight back. All right. Oh, hello. I didn't expect to see you. No, I don't expect you did, Mr. Cross. I'd like a word with Dr. Ben Carley. I'm sorry, but the doctor's got several appointments this evening and can't be disturbed. I see. Well, do you think I could speak to her on the telephone sometime, possibly late tonight? Uh, well, yes, uh, I should think so. I should ring about half past eleven. No, oh, thank you. Tell Dr. Benkari we now know who murdered Julia Kelvin, but there's just one small point I'd like to check with her. It won't take a minute. I can do it on the telephone. No. Uh, no, wait a minute. Uh, yes? Uh... Uh, come in, Mr. Temple. I'll see if the doctor can spare you a minute. Oh, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. If you'll just wait in here, I shan't keep you a moment. Thank you.
Good evening, Mr. Temple. I understand you wish to speak to me. Oh, good evening, Dr. Benkari. How very kind of you to see me. Yes, I wanted to have a word with you before you left. Before I left? Yes. You are going away, aren't you? Yes, as a matter of fact, I am. But how did you know? Oh, I thought it was common knowledge. My wife overheard someone say something about it at a party. One of your patients, I imagine. Oh, I see. Where are you going to, Doctor? I'm going to Canada on a lecture tour. Oh, well, take it easy. Those lecture tours can be terribly tiring. I know what I'm talking about. I've just returned from one. My secretary tells me that you know who murdered Julia Kelburn. Yes, we know. But I'm afraid I can't tell you who it is. The police are playing possum at the moment. Uh, what do you mean, playing possum? I'm not used to these Americanisms. You'll have to get used to them, Doctor, if you're going to Canada. Incidentally, um, is Mr. Cross going with you? Yes, he is. Ah, well, he'll put you right, I'm sure. What is it you wanted to ask me, Mr. Temple? Oh, yes. During your consultations with Julia Kelvin, did she ever mention a friend of hers called Fiona Scott? No, she didn't. You've never heard the name before? No, I haven't. Sorry to disappoint you. Oh, I'm not disappointed. On the contrary, I should only have been disappointed if she had mentioned it, Dr. Benkari. Ah, good morning, Temple. Good morning, Sir Graham. Superintendent. Good morning. Do sit down. Thank you. I hope we're not too early for you, but you sounded quite anxious when you telephoned last night. I was more than anxious. I was very worried. I still am. Oh? Sir Graham, as you know, we've suspected for some time that the murder of Julia Kelvin was linked up with the fence. Yes? Well, I have good reason to believe that the fence has made plans to leave the country. Ah. Now, the point is this, Sir Graham. I know this man, but I haven't sufficient evidence for you to get a warrant out for him. On the other hand, once he leaves the country... He mustn't leave the country. That would be an impossible situation. Well, how do we stop him, Superintendent? I don't know. Have you a suggestion, Temple? Yes, but I'm afraid it's a very unorthodox one, Sir Graham. I I doubt whether you'll approve of it. It doesn't matter how unorthodox it is if it's going to help us... Just a moment, Rain. What is this plan of yours, Temple? Well, first of all, I've got to talk... Oh, excuse me, Hello, Paul Temple speaking. Uh, Mr. Temple, this is Inspector Milton, Scotland Yard. Oh, yes? Uh, there's been a phone message through from Brixton. Mitch Harris has asked the governor if he can have another interview with you. They've arranged an appointment for three o'clock this afternoon. Will that be convenient, Mr. Temple? Yes, quite convenient. Thank you very much, Inspector. Uh, what was all that about? Midge Harris wants to see me. But you've seen him. Yes, I know. He wants to see me again. But Why? I'm hanged if I could get a word out of the fellow. No, ah, but you didn't send him a postcard, did you, Inspector? <laughs> now, let me tell you about this plan of mine. First of all, it depends on whether Mitch Harris can be persuaded to talk. Good afternoon, Mr. Temple. Do come in. Nice to see you again. I'm afraid I'm giving you rather a lot of trouble, Governor. Oh, not at all, my dear fellow. I presume Harris got the postcard all right. Yes, indeed. About half an hour after receiving it, he asked for an interview and said he wanted to speak to you again. I got the impression that he was angry about something. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I'll take you to him now. He's waiting in the chaplain's room. Well, Midge, I came as soon as I got your message. Oh, thanks. I had to see you, Mr. Temple. For one thing, I wanted to say I'm sorry I didn't believe you last time you was here. 
You know, when you came out with all that guff about my girl, Sal. You've heard from her? Yeah, had a postcard. She ain't in the south of France, like I told you. She's still in her old job, sweating her guts out. I've been let up the flipping garden, and that's a fact. I take it your friends have let you down, then. Let me down? You could say that again. Yeah, well, he ain't flipping well going to get away with it. Not this time, he ain't. I'm glad to hear you say that. After all, apart from the predicament you're in, it's not fair on Sally. You're dead right it ain't fair on Sally. I, I don't know what's going wrong. He's always looked after the other boys, always taking care of well, them. Well, he hasn't looked after you, Midge, has he? No, he ain't. Now, Midge, listen. I want you to tell me about the fence. I give you my word that whatever you tell me about yourself will be treated in the strictest confidence. I'm only interested in the fence and the Kelvin murder. I didn't have nothing to do with no murder. You've got to believe that. Well, you don't get another word out of me. All right, Midge, I believe you. Now, tell me how you first got in touch with the fence. Well, I'd never heard of him until a few years back when I knocked all the jewellers and tried to get rid of the stuff through the usual channels. The boys wouldn't touch it. The yard had got the heat on just about then, sending scores of dicks around the pawn shops and places. I tried one or two of the provincial boys, but it was the same story. They all said the stuff was too hot. Go on. Well, one day I was in a little cap off the Tottenham Court Road when the geezer who runs the place said I was wanted on my blower. It was a woman. She didn't give a name, but she had a bit of a funny accent. Foreigner, I suppose. Anyway, she said she'd heard I was interested in doing a deal, and she told me to go to a pet shop in South Dock Road, Shoreditch. I was to ask for Oscar. Well, I, I went round at this place and spoke to the bloke behind the counter. He was a big, tough-looking chap with a Scots accent. What happened? I showed him a diamond ring I wear the flog and told him there was plenty more where that come from. Did he buy it? No, of course he didn't, not right away. There wasn't taking no chances. Well, this Oscar bloke asked me to leave it with him for a couple of days while he had it valued. And you did? Well, what I got to lose? I couldn't fuck it nowhere else. Well, two days later, I got another phone call telling me to take all the stuff to a place called Breakwater Ass, not far from Brighton. Uh -huh. And what happened there? Well, a youngish chap let me in, tough-looking, slick operator type. He collected the stuff off of me and took it into her next room. Well, after a minute or two, I heard several voices. There seemed to be a bit of an argument going on. I began to wonder what was happening. Still, in the end, this young bloke comes back with a real good offer. And what's more, it was cash down and no messing about. You didn't see any of the other people? No, I didn't. So you never actually saw the fence? No, never set eyes on him. But he always played fair, Mr. Temple. Paid a good price and looked after the wife and kids if any of the boys got nabbed. That's, uh, that's what I don't understand about this, Lark. Why didn't he take care of Sam? Well, it's just one of those things. Well, thank you, Midge. You've been a great help. Take care of yourself. Well, I won't overeat, if that's what you're worried about. <laughs> Some fresh coffee, Mr. Temple, and the morning paper. Ah, thank you, Charlie. Shall I pour the coffee? No, Mrs. Temple will be done in a moment. It was a big robbery last night in Pont Street, sir. Jewellers. Nearly 80,000 pounds worth of stuff. Yes, I'm just looking at the headline. It's on the 8 o'clock news. <laughs> they say crime doesn't pay. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Mrs. Temple. You were very late last night, Paul. What were you up to? I went down to Fleet Street and had a couple of drinks with that crime reporter friend of yours, Ken Sinclair. That's the second time you've seen Ken within the past fortnight. Mm -hmm. I've asked him to look up an old friend of ours, Wally Stone. Who's Wally Stone? Don't you remember? He used to be one of the best cat burglars in the business. Mm -hmm. Steve, you know the bracelet I bought you last Christmas, the diamond and ruby one? Yes. 
I think the clasp needs attention. It doesn't. The clasp's perfectly I all noticed right. it the other evening when we went to the Kelvins. It needs looking at. Uh, it'll only take a day or two. Sir Graham Forbes is here, sir. Hello, Sir Graham. Ah, come in, Sir Graham. Let me see what you look like at this time of the morning. Uh, well, I, um, I, I just happened to be passing, so I, I, I thought I, I'd pop in. Yes, good idea. We don't get many people popping in for breakfast, do we, Steve? Would you like some coffee, Sir Graham? Oh, yes, yes. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. I, um... I see you've seen the newspapers, Temple. Yes, I've seen them. Well, we've done what you wanted. We've included the ruby and diamond bracelet in the list of stolen property. Did you say a ruby and diamond bracelet? Yes. Pull out the coffee. Don't keep Sir Graham waiting. Look, what is this? What's this all about? Now, Sir Graham, what's going on? (laughs) Don't ask me, Steve. I'm a stranger in these parts. The coffee, Steve. do for you. You've got a dog collar in the window. It's marked 28 and 6. That's right. Is it leather? Yes, of course it's leather. Genuine leather. Mm. Do you think I could have a look at it? Yes. We'll go on here. A different color, but it's just the same. Very good value for 28 and 6. Yes, it is, but uh, it's not quite the same one as the one in the window, is it? It's exactly the same. That's leather, that is. Genuine leather. I'll take it. Okay. Are you Oscar? Aye. I think you know a friend of mine, Midge Harris. Don't know anyone called Harris. A small, rather scruffy little man with a... Don't know anyone called Harris. No? No. Sorry about that. I thought you might be able to tell me what this was worth. Where did you get that bracelet from? I'll give you three guesses. That's from a Ponsley job. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you got the rest of the stuff, then? Yes. Where? Oh, don't be silly. Do you think I'm going to tell you that? Why'd you come here? You didn't want a dog collar? No, of course I didn't. I'm in a spot. I've got to get rid of this stuff. It's red hot. Look, if you're prepared to help me, I'll Listen, cut you in. Come. Don't get me wrong. I'm not the fence. I'm just the go-between. You'll have to see this bracelet. Well, that's all right by me. I'll leave the bracelet with you. How long will it take him to make up his mind? Mm, uh, about 48 hours. Come back on Thursday morning. Oh, hello, Paul. Hello, dear. Any messages? Yes. That friend of yours is here. He's in the drawing room. What friend? The man you saw Ken Sinclair about. Oh, Wally Stone. Yes, of course. How long has he been here? About ten minutes. Oh, good afternoon, Mr. Stone. I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Temple. I just happened to be in town for the day, and Mr. Sinclair said you were anxious to see me. Yes, that's right. Uh, would you care for a glass of sherry? Ah, thank you, Mr. Temple. That would be very agreeable. Right. What a delightful room. I've been admiring your fireplace. Hmm, it is rather nice, isn't it? Here you are, your sherry. Ah, thank you. Mr. Stone, I'm sure you'd prefer that I didn't beat about the bush and came straight to the point. By all means. I'm working with the police on an important case. Unfortunately, our investigations are held up because we failed to secure a vital piece of evidence. Yes? Well, it seems that the only way for us to secure this evidence is for someone to break into a certain house and search for it. I see. And I take it that's why I'm here. 
That's what you'd like me to do, Mr. Temple? Yes. And what is this piece of evidence, exactly? It's a diamond and ruby bracelet. That was the seventh episode of the Francis Durbridge serial, Paul Temple and the Marco Mystery, with Peter Cook as Paul Temple and Marjorie Westbury as Steve. Mrs. Fletcher was played by Joan Matheson and George Kelburn by Julian Summers. Production for the BBC was by Martin C. Webster.